Welcome to Two for None. My name is Patrick Cullen and I'm here, of course, with my co-host and absolute legend of a human being, Christopher T. Barty. How are you, Bardo? How are you tracking, sir? I'm very good, Pat. Very good. A um, little bit down, a little bit down. A few losses on the board from the, uh, from the Australian team, but uh, a recent venture, the WBBL, uh, lifted my spirits and restored my ah. uh, faith in cricket. And look, it's been a heck of a turnaround. Last time we had a pod, we were riding high, CTB. We were riding high on a wave of emotion and joy. And uh, we found ourselves now uh, quite on the opposite end. Mm. And I, I think there's going to be a relatively smug British bulletin later in this episode from Tom K. Hawkey. But we'll stay tuned for that. Uh, in classic fashion, we're going to start with some WBBL. We have to talk quickly about a ginger leg spinner. And then we're going to roll into the ODIs um, and have a British bulletin from Tom. So. Let's get into it. Let's talk some WBBL, Chris. Uh, I, I understand you went down to Lilac Hill and uh, put a deposit down on an ice cream set. I did, mate. I did. Um, not just an ice cream, but an artisan pop, um, if you will. <laughs> an artisan pop? An artisan pop. Is that some kind of like, did it come in a jar of some kind? Dude, so um, let me just school you on like this for a minute. So, um <laughs> You, you know, like, I'm an ice cream guy. Like, you know, it's kind of... What hey, if, proof. You know, along with you know, chocolate and things. But you know, ice cream's sure. up there. Um, no, look, it, it was a, just an amazing day. The Scorchers played, uh, I think, three games this year. This was uh, at Lilac Hill, um, which, of course, is the home of the, the Midland Guildford Cricket Club um, and where they used to start off um, the summer of cricket. Um, by hosting a, an exhibition match between the local touring team and um, a, a, and play a game against the team of legends. Um, and in recent years, that Lilac Hill game has sort of fallen off the fixture. So um, it's been nice to see Lilac Hill again being sort of used for, I guess, feature games. And the WBBL is actually a terrific um, mechanism for that. Um, right from the time that we got there, it was just amazing. So when you head to the... Um, to Lilac Hill, um, it's sort of in the the Guildford area there, and um, you've got the Swan River on your back, which is beautiful. Oh, um, the ground's same. in perfect nick. Um, the uh, you know they had like a white picket fence kind of thing for the for the actual you know boundary itself. So they had you know, ropes maybe about half a meter in from the white picket fence. But you know myself, my uh, my lovely partner Jess and uh, and her mum just took down some deck chairs and. Um, you know, we took down a picnic basket and had some biscuits and cheese, and um, you know, oh. sat in the deck chair and, and watched the game unfold. And and all around the all around the ground, they had sort of they had food trucks, and one of those was a was a oh. purveyor of artisan pops, Pat. Um, <laughs> I wondered when the artisan yeah. pop was coming back into it. I knew it so, would. <laughs> and, and mate, it was twelve twelve dollars for three, so not not too bad. Oh. Um, yeah, we've hello. Paid, That's nineteen seventies price. We've paid more. At the cricket for for uh, for Definitely a, a uh, pop that was less artisan. So yeah, that was cool. I, I had like my mine was salted caramel flavour. Uh, um, oh, I, I think Jim Jess had a, a ginger beer flavoured uh, pop, and uh, and uh, a Bianca, her mum had a uh, it was like a orange and mint flavoured uh, thing. So that, 
That was, Ooh. That was pretty amazing. Ooh. And um, Look, I think you do have to go the orange and mint there just because as a Scorchers fan, you should probably stick true. to the orange uh, goods true, true. as well. I mean... It's lucky there was no bubblegum there that you went for, Chris. Otherwise, that could have been a real shame. Uh, the Scorchers did pretty well as well, outclassing the Hurricanes and CTB. Um, the Hurricanes made 130 off their 20 overs, and the Scorchers came out and smashed it and made 134. I got a very excited message from you, CTB, on that day saying, um, Nicole Bolton, with about four exclamation marks next to it. And uh, just looking at the scorecard, I can see why. 60 off 61, strike rate of 98, five fours and two sixes. It looked like she absolutely smashed it, CTB. You know, so people that know me will know that Michael Bevan is, uh, you know, arguably my favourite cr- cricketer of all time, um, the Gwil. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Michael Gwil, Gwil Bevan. You know, there was a weird phase like there in like, the Australian team where like a lot of their middle names were Welsh. Um, I never understood that. But um, anyway. Um, <laughs> Sidebar. Sidebar. No, but um, Michael Bevan's one of my favourite cricketers of all time. Um, just because of the way that he could craft a limited overs innings. Um, and this was that kind of display from Beth Mooney. So, uh, sorry, not Beth Mooney, from Nicole Bolton. Um, just got the Moon Dog on the mind there. Don't we all? Don't we all? Oh, what a player. In the Hurricanes um, innings, uh, you know, she bowls a bit as well. So, you know, took, took one for 19 um, there and... Um, you know, really restricted the Hurricanes to a, um, to a gettable total of 130. Um, the highlight of the uh, Hurricanes innings, no doubt, was uh, Georgia Redmayne, uh, who made a, a quick fire 53 off 49 on, um, admittedly, was what was a bit of a slow outfield there. Um, but i also got to give a shout-out to, in the Hurricanes innings, to Hayley Matthews. I don't know if you've seen Hayley Matthews play, man, but... If you haven't, you've got to get around it because Hayley Matthews is uh, a 19-year-old West Indian player. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, she only made uh, 14 runs, but I'll tell you what, it was a really well-made 14. <laughs> like, it, was just a, it was just like, I'm enjoying watching you back. Like, please stay out here. And then she hauled out. Um, but, like... <laughs> she was great to watch. It was kind of reminded me like um, a few years ago when Mickey Arthur was the coach of the Australian team. Oh, yeah. And Rob Rob Quiney came in and he uh, played a couple of tests against South Africa. Big Bobby. And Rob Qu- Bobby Quiney was a good uh, first-class batsman, just couldn't quite, uh, you know, nail it down in the test team. But he made a couple of like nines and tens. And after one, I think like after the second one, he, Mickey Arthur comes out and goes, yeah, sure, he only made nine, but it was a really great nine. <laughs> Like, that's about as good as a nine runs as you can get. <laughs> and I never understood that until today. Because I was like, hey, Matthews, that was a fantastic 14 runs. I need to watch you play more. So, definitely one to watch. The other thing I, th- I appreciate appreciate about um, Hayley Matthews is that she bowls with a cap on. Which I oh. just don't see that often. I do love that, though. I do love bowls that. Bowls with a cap. Sun smart. Um, it's nearly so as good as, as a couple of Aussie players walking around in the baggy gold, you know, like oh, the, yeah, uh, the, the floppy, floppy gold. Yeah, the floppy, yeah, yeah, yellow. Yeah. <laughs> floppy yellow. It sounds like a venereal disease, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but um, you got a terrible case of the floppy yellow, so we're going to need to put you on antibiotics. <laughs> it's not good. That's good. Um, and But yeah, anyway, and then obviously in the second dig there, the, uh, the Scorchers... Um, they were always in control, like so, needing six and a half and over. They never let it get away with them, uh, away from it. And Nicole Bolton was just all around that. You know, she batted uh, from start to finish. Um, 
you know, it was a really well-crafted innings and we were sort of thinking, you know, with the five overs to go and needing eight runs and over that they might be in a bit of trouble. But a couple of lusty blows from Nicole Bolton uh, uh, towards the end of the innings just absolutely uh, reined it in and, and made it really easy pickings for, for the Scorchers. So um, that was superb to see in person. I've got to tell you, the WBBL is a terrific product. Um, if it comes to a ground near you, you have to go and check it out because... Um, the access that they allowed the fans to the players after the game was brilliant. You know, fans could kind of just come up by the race and just get autographs and all that kind of thing. And the other thing I really appreciated too was um, at the start of the game, they actually had like a bit of a, a video uh, infomercial style thing where they explained kind of the basic rules of cricket. Oh, which wow. I think is a really cool idea yeah. um, because well, I think one of the barriers to people enjoying cricket is that if unless you've been indoctrinated in it or marinated in it from a young age. Like um, us, yeah. Yeah, like us. Like, you know, it uh, can be something you kind of look at and you go, what the, what the heck am I looking at? But once you understand the nuances, like it's it, that's when I think it really seeps in. And um, So I just thought that was really nice. A great way to engage kind of a potentially new market. Um, really, really well presented. Um, you know, there was an announcement uh, over the PA as well um, with about 10 minutes to go in the game um, that uh, just hang around after the game, folks. Not only will they be signing autographs, but the, the city of Swan, the council, has agreed to let us keep the bar open for a couple of hours. And we'll no have, way. Yeah, yeah. Have live music. And uh, so they had like, you know, acoustic music and, um, you know, Food and all that kind of thing. Oh, no, it sounds like a bloody cricket festival, mate. Mate, it was unbelievable. And the, the the reason why they kept the bar open, which I absolutely love, is because they said, look, it takes a little while to get out of here because the parking's not the best. So we'll let you have a couple of frothies. <laughs> <laughs> Way to encourage responsible drinking there. Yeah. I, I love that. CTB, can I ask you uh, about, do you remember seeing Brooke Hepburn bowl? She bowled two overs, none for 20. <laughs> I just wanted to know if you smelt any cinnamon in the air, maybe maybe a little bit of uh, apple or raspberry <laughs> in the oven, mate, because it looks like she was serving up some tasty uh, pies. Some tasty pies. Look, I, I have to be honest, I don't remember Brooke specifically, um, but uh, I... Ser- That's probably just because it was raining down sixes around UCTB and it was hard to keep track. <laughs> I absolutely understand that. No, I'm sure she did all right, really, and just uh, had a rough over. We all have one of those. The other game I wanted to touch on the WBBL CTB just before we move on was the Strikers and the Thunder Mm. just because they ended up with a super over which we have not seen in a very very long time it got to be tied off the last ball um, and in the super over, the Thunder made six, the Strikers seven to win the game. I mean, that is some thrilling cricket. Yeah. Absolutely thrilling, don't you reckon? Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, and um, great to see the Strikers uh, uh, get one over the uh, ladding- the ladder leading Thunder as well. Um Credit to Susie Bates there, you know, got 40 off 43, four fours, really held the innings together mm. outside of that. Talia McGrath, who we've we've touched on in the past, just being pleased to see McGrath in the team. Mm. She does very well at that, Talia McGrath. Bats at four, made 22 off 18, and then picked up a wicket or two, I believe. Oh, no, she didn't. Mm. She got, uh, but was very economical, CTB is what I will say, in classic McGrath fashion. She bowled four overs, none for 20. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty Whoa. good. So, uh, very impressive to see that great to see them doing well 
And it looks like um, it was uh, Sophie Devine who did the job in the Super Over, even uh, picking up a wicket, which is uh, uh, no doubt helps the cause in a Super Over. Oh, I bet. There's nothing more than, uh, than, <laughs> than to help you out. Speaking of picking up a wicket, Chris, let's move to the Under-19 World Cup, which we didn't think we were going to touch on, but we absolutely have to. Thanks to the arrival of one Lloyd what a, Pope. What's um, a name? Lloyd. First of all, how many name. Lloyds do you know? How many Lloyds do you know? <laughs> Very few. Not enough. If you're a Lloyd listening to the pod, do get in touch. We'd love to know I'm you. Sure. Wasn't Lloyd one of the characters' names in Dumb and Dumber? You are absolutely right, Chris. You are completely correct. He looks a little bit like a young Jeff Daniels, which I appreciate. <laughs> Look, a mane of flowing red hair, a very high forehead, which is something that I can appreciate. Um, there's a lot of surface area there. I think you could land two helicopters next to each other on that uh, on that forehead. But wasn't he pumped, Chris? And I've also never seen a leggy bowl so many wrongins. Um, oh. He took eight for 35 as England was bowled out for 96 yep. in the World Cup corner final of the under 19s. I mean, that is spectacular. Um I mean, amazing on so many fronts too, because they weren't defending that many. They're only defending, I think, 127 for um, you, you know for victory. And um, you, normally, you make 127 in the first dig, and it's kind of good night. But you could, um, you know, for a young leggy to stand up and take eight for 35, that was just unbelievable. And and you know, the, he just ripped some. I mean, they just turned they every turned which a way, mile, which and they turned. He's wrong and turns a bloody kilometre. I, I can't mm. believe... And he, you know what else? And look, we, we've got to talk about Zampa's wrong and too. There's so many wrongins and googlies to come and talk about. I'm very excited. But uh, one or two of them, mate, he really tossed up there. I mean, they, yeah. they were really <laughs> tossed up tasty wrongins and, and the Englishman just fell apart. I mean, how great is it to see an, a leg spinner taking big wicket CTB? How excited does that make Brilliant. you in your heart? Oh, look, so excited. Um, look, uh, he is the latest uh, Australian spinner to kind of get that uh, um, moniker of, you know, is he the next Warren? Um, I don't know about that. I'm quite happy just to watch the first ever Lloyd Pope right at the moment. So, um, big, big hopes and dreams for him, um, as, as we have for all of our leggies, the Zampers, the Swepsons um, and the like. But um the, those highlights are absolutely unbelievable. So if you haven't uh, had a chance to jump onto the old internet internet and have a look, uh, definitely worth doing. The big question is, Chris, do we call him uh, John Paul or Johnny or do we go for something more modern and call him a Benedict? Um, we need a Pope-related nickname. Do we call him the Cardinal? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, I like the Cardinal. That's a nice one. Um yeah, all right. Well, we'll have to look. Uh, perhaps uh, listeners uh, to the pod can uh, can text in oh. or, uh, or or comment their uh, uh, supposed nicknames for uh, the great Lloyd Pope. <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts, boats. Get in touch via the Facebook, or you can leave them on our SoundCloud if that's how you listen to the pod. Uh, CTB, let's move on. Let's let's crack on. We're cracking through some content today. I love it. Mate, it's not been the best ODI series. I think we both hoped for a bit more. Um, Australia have lost the last three. Uh, we go back to the 14th of January uh, a little while ago. Now, that was basically, I think we can categorize that whole game as the Jason Roy show. Jason Roy came in, he came, he saw, he conquered. Um, you know, 180 runs. 
off 151 deliveries, 16 fours, five sixes. I mean, he was just so destructive. Um, and we really didn't have an answer. Also, worth pointing out, oh, A, that Aaron Finch has been a gun, as, as, as I predicted, which was which is very nice of him. And I was very smug in posting that to the page. And then <laughs> Jason Roy came out and annihilated us. Oh, boy. But um, CTB, England looked completely renewed, reformed, changed. I mean, yeah. what are you making of this I'd, whole England resurgence? i tell you what. Um, well, it's funny. You know, we say that the, the ODI series has been a little bit of a disappointment. But to be perfectly honest with you, it's kind of nice to see England turn up um you know first of all uh you know if we look at the australian innings in that first one you know and it's kind of i think it's been the theme of the three games really so australia were absolutely coasting um with uh you know finchie doing a great job uh 107 um and uh you know both uh mitchell marsh and stoin is contributing strongly but but they just kind of lost wicket at the wrong time so just as they were about to build a you know build a partnership they'd lose a wicket um or you know just as they were about to really kick on and and, and turn that 300 into say 350 which might have been a match winning score they'd, they'd lose a wicket uh which was um you know a bit frustrating and then we, you know, as you say, you know, we really saw, um, you know, England's intent from the first over when uh, uh, Jason Roy and, and Johnny Bairstow went absolutely bananas. Bairstow looks like a whole different character whole, in this whole game different character. as well. And Doesn't you know he? what I reckon making a big difference? Uh, obviously, you know, Jason Roy played really well, et cetera, et cetera. But um, first of all, Owen Morgan, uh, I think his yeah. leadership has been brilliant. He, you know, he's really, clearly a really astute uh, one-day player. Joe Root just looks... He's canny, isn't he's he? He's very canny. He's really, he's really worked out the matchups. Like, he spent a lot of time, I think, thinking about how he's going to get each individual batsman out. And look, a couple of decisions have gone their way, especially against Smith across all three games. Um, and people, the bowls have bowled well to him. I tell you what, CTB, why the heck Adil Rashid wasn't in the English Dude. touring squad is completely beyond me. I mean, he is a high-quality spinner. Why were they blooding Mason Crane? I mean, don't get me wrong, I was very pleased to see Mason running around there, but Adil Rashid's ready to go. Dude, let me... I don't get it. Let me say a couple of things about, uh, first of all, um, you know, Joe Root looks a different player. That's the other thing I'd say about Owen, Mer- Owen Morgan taking the taking the reins. Um, he's batted very well so far. Absolutely agree with you on Adil Rashid, though. He's gone for a few bickies, but he has caused some problems and taken key wickets. Um, he's put he um, yeah he's put the stops on Steve Smith a couple of times, and um, the a run on effect from that. You know when we we talked in earlier episodes about um, you know Mo and Ali sort of preferring to be England's second spinner who bats a bit. Yeah, Mo and Ali has been pretty pretty dangerous in this series. You know, in in the words of he's looked completely different. Completely different. You know, in the, in the words of uh, Larry David, um, he's looked pretty pretty good. Um, <laughs> so. You know, I, I, he's made a big difference. And uh, Mark Wood, your mate, Huge. Mark Wood's been fantastic as well. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, mate, that velocity has made a huge difference. And when you've got Wood in there who can actually really get the, the batsman jumping around. And also, can I say it doesn't make any freaking sense that Mark Wood runs in off like four steps. I mean, I think his run-up is like just longer than Wardy's. <laughs> it was, it's, it's gratuitous. Um, but he, he is quite a threatening bowler, Mark Wood. And he, again, he goes for a couple here and there. But like, 
in that so in that first game, he rolled ten overs, one for forty nine. If your strike bowler's doing that, then you're not doing too bad. You know, Rashid was going for seven and over, but he got two for, and that two was Stephen Smith and Mitchell mm. Marsh. Like, that's two wickets that you need to get. I, I've, I've got some thoughts about this, Chris. Um, and my thought, my thoughts are that this has come down to to three key points. I think England's resurgence comes down to three things. My first is the BBL. Mm. These players have all largely had experience in the mm-hmm. BBL. They've played in Australian mm-hmm. conditions, and some of them, like Jason Roy, have actually been in Australia mm. for the last little while. Well, Jason Roy hasn't made runs in the BBL his whole time, but he's been here. He's been facing Aussie bowlers. He's been on these tracks. He's been getting a feel for it. So when he came in to face the Australian team, it wasn't an uncomfortable scenario mm-hmm. for him. And that goes for a couple of the English players. They've all at least had experience here in the last couple of years. Owen Morgan was here a little while ago, so forth and so on. Owen Morgan is my second point. Exactly as you mentioned, he has been a really canny captain. Mm. The way that he structured his batting lineup, the way that he has plans mm-hmm. for each Australian batsman, he has really, really thought about it and thought well. Mm. The third thing is team selection. They've done very well in selecting the right people for the right matches, and people have stood up. And on top of that is finally Smith and Warner have been nowhere to be seen. They've kept them really, really quiet, thanks to their bowling plans Mm. and a couple of lucky decisions, especially for Smith. But when Smith and Warner aren't batting well, it means Australia are looking at 304, 270, 286 instead of 350, 370. You know, it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, when we look at... uh, So, Smith, you know, batted well in the the third match uh, in uh, Sydney. I thought about it, you know, look look pretty comfortable again. Looked like he was about to kick on um, and then copped a, caught one from Wood and a dubious sort of catch there. But in the first game, you know, a relatively soft dismissal against Adil Rashid. But in the second game, gets picked up by Joe Root. Yeah. Um, who also picked up Travis Head in that second game. Um, and so that's a, you know, that was a, a masterstroke. I mean, you know... I'm sure um, Owen Morgan will claim it, but uh, it might have been a bit of luck. Who knows? But you got to, you, you know, sometimes you got to have a bit of luck on your side to, to turn these things around. And that was a really critical moment in that second game, I thought, um, because they did end up being about uh, 30 runs short um, at least, and uh, that that was a, that was, a, you know, I thought a critical moment. The other person I think that's worth mentioning, and, and he did mention that if, um, a few of the English players have played in the BBL. And one of those is Joss Butler. Joss yeah. Butler was absolutely, absolutely immense, immense in the last game. Um, oh. And you know, we talked uh, about you know critical moments in the previous game where you know perhaps Australia, um, you know, lost partnerships um, just before about they were about to really kick on in their innings. England, on the other hand, England, on the other hand, were in all sorts. Um, you know, four down for a hundred and not many. Um, but uh, Josh Butler comes out and, you know, bats really patiently, um, gets a bit of really good support from Chris Wokes. Um, and then all of a sudden with two overs to go, they put on 39? 39 yeah. in what two you, overs? That second last over, Paddy Cummins ball went for 22. I mean, 
Far out. That's the and that's that that was the game right there. That was the difference. Um, you know, because right up until those last two overs, uh, you know, Australia, you know, when you look at the score comparisons, Australia were m- matching them neck and neck. Um, so it was really that key moment. Again, England are winning the key moments in these ODIs. You know, Josh Butler was absolutely. Uh, immense you know with that hundred the other thing i think that he's bringing as we mentioned is it's free bear up so all of a sudden yeah um you know one of the points i keep bringing up in the commentary is what a great outfielder johnny bear is i think mark yeah. mark taylor said he's the best wicket keeper outfielder he's ever seen which is a bizarre comment but um <laughs> well unusual you know it's not it's an oxymoron almost is what i guess what i'm hitting at um well bradley haddon was always a mug when he was out in the field yeah. <laughs> it was like oh no hads take it easy <laughs> out there but i hear your point he is really freed up i mean i think owen morgan's captaincy has meant that joe root can just play as a batsman who bowls a bit and has been incredibly handy on that front it's meant that johnny best though is free at the top of the order mm. where he doesn't have to save anything so he can go out and play freely we've got to talk about this this second game ctb i think and this is, I, was about, I really want to have a chat about Australian selection. Um, I think there's been some problems. I think we've had a few issues. In, in Melbourne, in the second ODI, um, we didn't play Zampa. And that ended up being a really critical right. problem. Head and Cameron White really haven't done so well. The bear hasn't made a spectacular return, um, and we've really needed him to. My, my final thought is, mate, that playing both Marsh and Stoinis seems irrelevant. They're, they're two batsmen who and two all-rounders who do a very mm-hmm. similar job. They bowl at a similar speed. They bat a similar way. They've both been in good form, don't get me wrong, but I feel like especially in that in that game where where we didn't have a special spinner yep. in the side that we really could have done with actually you know a, a guy like Glenn Maxwell sure. for example who could you know bowl a bit um sorry I'm talking about the Gabba not the mm. MCG I apologize uh, the second game of the Gabba to be fair you look at the Gabba and you go it's the Gabba we're not going to need a specialist spinner let's take all the seamers that we can but look Root picked up two Rashid mm. picked up two and the rest were runouts or you know it, it, spin played a huge role in that game I mean in the middle overs Aaron Finch was bloody warming up the pie shop and and dishing out some mm. tasty cinnamon encrusted bloody raspberry cream filled deliciousness mm. like those left armers were were diabolical so it, it didn't make much sense to me you know we've got these two all-rounders in this side and we're throwing the ball to bloody Aaron Finch who's a who's a bona fide part-timer I mean Finch he did really well with the bat but I want to know where Glenn Maxwell and Sean Marsh are in this side, CTB. Like, Soss is the holder of the JLT Cup run making sure. this season. Like, he has been number one on that list. Um, so, mm. why isn't he in the side? Where's Maxwell? What's going on? Mate? Yeah, interesting one, isn't it? Um, Breaking news while he watches. Uh, Glenn Maxwell has just been called into the Australian team as batting cover for the injured Aaron Finch. So, it looks like... As we all expected, the Australian selectors are fans of the pod. Back to you, CTB. The thing that I think kind of strikes me about the the selection as you as you run through the team sheet is um it doesn't seem particularly fluent. Uh, if mm. if you know what I mean. So first of all, um, you know, in relation to Cameron White, uh, you know, I don't think we, I don't think it's 
fair just to judge him quite yet because he didn't play in the first one which was um you know an interesting choice and the second game he didn't really have a lot to work with and i think made 15 not out they weirdly bad him at seven yeah so um you know so interest you know again but that strikes me as kind of you know where's the fluency with it at the moment i think in the first or second game you know they you know well they've obviously blooded a few um new players as well so in the first game they played uh, aj ty in the second game they were missing hazelwood and you're missing um you know cummins cummins um yeah. so that's you know so that's always going to be uh, a bit of a challenge to keep the total down and, and really although i thought jai richardson bowled really well um and picked up some picked up some good wickets you know it was always going to be a challenge to keep england down on a relatively flat deck um, you know, and, the, and then the third game was it, we just don't know that uh, necessarily bowled that well. Um, in terms of the performance of the all-rounders, mate, like I think, um, you know, Stoinis, uh, I think actually batted really well in the third game, and and um, you know has has batted relatively well throughout the series. And I think the fact that he's made 146, um, you know, previously, um, you know in ODIs uh, recently on a tour of New Zealand. Um, I think he's probably part of the part of the furniture now, so I can't see him being dropped. But I would certainly not be in favour, uh, not not be in favour, double negative, uh, of, uh, of a return to Sean Marsh, the team if we're looking at county veterans, because his form in the Ashes series was so good. Yeah. I think he might be battling a bit of a niggle at the moment, which is why we haven't seen him for no. the Scorchers. Sean Marsh uh, battling a yeah. niggle? Get out of here. He's constantly battling a niggle. Get out of here. Um, you gotta get, you, you gotta push through. You gotta put him in. I think but, uh, um, Sauce is actually about eighty percent Cortisone. I think Cortisone yeah. has sponsored him um, in an effort to try and you know really just just cut down the cost there because he is uh, probably there. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just he's just fluid now. Um, Sean Marsh, brought to you by Cortisone and strapping tape. <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's I just think it's kind of uh, a team in transition, if you like. Um, throwing around a few different combinations. I think Maxwell can consider consider himself pretty unlucky not to be in the side for sure. Same goes for Sean Marsh. Um, I like what Jai Richardson has done. I think you know, he's he's worth uh, persisting with, certainly in the limited overs format of the game. Um, I see he got the call up to South Africa, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a minute. Um, and um, who knows, you know, with these last two dead rubbers, maybe we just experiment a little bit more and just sort of think, well, we've gone this far with it. Let's Let's keep going. So, uh, this most recent game, Chris, let's turn our attention to that in, in full. Um, I think Australia made some better choices in selection. They brought Zampa back into the side. We had a much stronger bowling lineup. Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark, Payne. Relatively, that's that's a pretty full-strength lineup, really. Um, I, I understand they needed to rest some players, too. You know, it's a big summer. That's the other thing, mate. Uh, you know, our players, our top side players are pretty wrecked. When you think about it, there's about three players, three or four players in the English lineup who have played the Ashes. It's unfortunately a whole new team. Uh, well, there's a lot more crossover for a lot of our boys. There could be just be some straight-up exhaustion there. They've been sick too, but all of these sound like excuses, um, really, for, for professional cricketers. We've, I mean, that innings from Butler was just incredible. Um, in terms of the bowling, no, you know, we didn't, Josh Hazelwood did his Hazelwood thing and it was just beautiful to have him back in the side. I thought Marcus Stoinis brawled pretty well as mm. well, you know, eight overs, one for 43. Um, and Zampa, mate, how great was the wrong in Zampa bowl to Johnny Bairstow to get him through the gate? Oh, oh, <laughs> I love seeing bowlers bowl guys with wrongins. I love seeing Leggy's bowl guys with wrongins. It's the best. So... 
Um, you know, he's, he's absolutely floated a leggy out there, got driven through a couple of four, four runs, put it in exactly the same spot. But this time, it's going the other way, mate. It's going the other way. And then what, so it's yeah. what makes leg spinners so dangerous is the ability to do that. I mean, you really, you really can't go past it. Uh, Australia, in reply, were cruising. Aaron Finch put on another 62 to continue his really great season. And a middle order of Smith, Marsh and Stoinis contributed 45, 55 and 56 consecutively. Mm. Mate, Davey Warner really has not looked himself. The English have really got the better of him. He's sort of 45-degree angled cut shots and his 45-degree angled bat pull shots have got him into a lot of trouble um if they could have kept him this mm-hmm. quiet this whole summer i think they would have been loving that mm. yeah absolutely as i say not, not quite being his explosive self but uh you, you never you sense he's sort of never far away and uh look his opening partner aaron finch has uh more than picked up the slack so um who knows if those two can get going uh then it could be the key success in the, in the next next game absolutely mate and unfortunately Stoinis was just unable to quite get us there at the end um tim payne doing another good job with the bat we all should have mentioned in the in the previous game alex carey made his debut and didn't he look bloody mm. solid with the willow mate mm, yeah absolutely very solid um i think he's got the call up too for the the 2020 score coming up so um good to see uh good to see him coming through Let's move on to that CTB. Oh, before we do, mate, let's let's just uh, quickly have a gander at, at the the fixtures. I mean, CTB, who are you going to pick for the next ODI? How do you think that's going to go down? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, I'm not really sure what other strings the uh, the selectors have to pull, to be honest. Can I press you for who you think is going to take the wickets and uh, get the runs? Well, for the first time uh, in the summer, Patrick, I think I'm going to have to some Englishmen. Um, oh goodness, Chris, it's come to that. It's absolutely going to hurt me. <laughs> I'm going to back Johnny Bairstow to make the most runs uh, in the game, most wickets. Look, I think uh, I'm going to go with my uh, good friend uh, Mitchell Stark there to uh, hopefully get Australia across the line. I oh, mate, I, I like it. I'm going to uh, back Stephen Smith to bounce back because um, I reckon it's about time that he did. And uh, at the Adelaide Oval, I reckon Mark Wood might get a little bit of reverse going in there. He might get a little bit of action happening. So I'm going to bet on the big W uh, to uh, to take the most poles. But we shall see. CTB, let's move on to an arena where we're far more comfortable. Uh, let's talk about Test Cricket again, because I know it makes you happy in your heart. Yep. We've got a... a test series coming up starting in South Africa um, and our first uh, tour match is starting there on the February 22. The test squad let's just run our eye down here Steve Smith, David Warner, Cameron Bancroft, Uzi Kawaja, Peter Hanscom Sean Marsh, Mitch Marsh, Tim Payne, Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins Lyon, then the backups are Jackson Bird, John Holland and Jai Richardson mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now CTB I was really happy to see uh, Johnny Holland in there. I think he's been really, really hard done by. And I actually came across this information in between pods, uh, and unfortunately time moved on. But Johnny Holland has been consistently the up there on the wicket-taking list. And I believe there's last year he was the numero uno. Right. 
the number one winning taker, at least as a spinner. Mm. Uh, he has been really, really, really solid for a very long time and has been, dare I say, Brad Hodge-like in being the forgotten man of uh, test cricket um, in the sense he has had a debut and has not been able to come back. Can I just read you his uh, first-class stats here, CTB? Mm. Johnny Holland has a grand total of 175 wickets at 32, which is pretty freaking awesome from 54 matches he's you know got a best bowling of 7 for 82 which he took pretty recently against South Australia in Alice Springs 7 for 82 absolutely mm. killed it so I'm really pleased to see him in they've said that he's playing exactly as a backup for Nathan Lyon in case Lyon gets injured um, but I do think he, as a spinner he deserves a spot ahead of Ashton Agar and I say that knowing that I got all up a bit about Ashton Agar's you know prospects a little while ago but I'm, I'm very pleased to see him in the side well yeah definitely a couple of interesting things here um so absolutely agree with you um Jonah Holland has been bowling extraordinarily well this season and uh, last season um, he has played two test matches previously um you know you know without setting the world on fire um, you know his current test average is 58 uh 5480 uh which is not you know it's not Brilliant. Great. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, as you say, his first-class form certainly warrants selection. Um, and at 30 years of age, it's, you know, it's kind of got to happen, doesn't it? So, um, absolutely fair enough. Um, you know, I feel like Ashton Agar can make me feel a little bit aggrieved. But that being said, I, I did uh, appreciate and understand the rationale for John Holland's selection in that um, they felt that he was a... Um, a true specialist spinner um, and that they weren't likely to play two spinners and therefore if Nathan Lyons to go down then John Holland is the man so that kind of sets a clear path in that if they play two spinners they're going to pick Agar as the second guy uh, but if they're going to play one one spinner then uh, Holland is the understudy so look it's a bit complicated but fair enough if that's the way you're going to go um, and uh the other one, the other interesting selection I thought was, uh, as we touched on earlier, uh, Jai Richardson, uh, 21, um, gets the gig as the uh, development player for the tour um, in behind Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, and Jackson Bird. Um, I don't think he'll, pro- I don't think he'll play in the series, or you know, injury obviously permitting, he won't play. Um, but a great uh, opportunity for the young man to learn what uh, the international game is all about. Um, He's only 21, oh, only 21 years old, Jai Richardson. He's and a young um, man. He's such a young player, CTB, that on his ESPN Crick Info page, he doesn't actually have a nickname listed. <laughs> Suffice to say, I think he does deserve his spot to be there, mate. And, and it, it is amazing that he gives, even if he's a slight man, mm. I think he's only 70 kilos. Uh, it's phenomenal that he can bowl as quick as he does. So it'd be great for him to be around the test side and to put on a bit of a bit, few kgs and as to have as a like-for-like replacement. You know, we saw down in Melbourne that when Jackson Bird came in to replace an out-and-out quick in Mitchell Stark, the th- balance of yeah. the side was thrown out. So, so if Stark or Hazelwood does go down, then then perhaps Richardson could see himself yeah. in. One, one issue that, that did raise itself in the media today uh, was around the non-selection of Chad Sayers. Mm. Um, so he another forgotten man of cricket. Another forgotten man of cricket, sort of similar boat, I guess, to John Holland uh, that John Holland found himself in earlier in the season. Um, interesting in that uh, he came out in the media and said that he contacted or he'd attempt to phone 
uh, the chief of selectors, Trevor Holmes, to get a please explain as to why he wasn't picked. Um, uh, tough one, uh, you know. It's, uh, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to go about it to, to to put that through the media. I think if you you know if you you're well within your rights to ask the question, and if he calls you back, he calls you back, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. Maybe, um, but uh, I think the the selection of Jai Rich, it's it's more about the selection of Jai Richardson, if you like, than the non-selection of of, uh, of Chad Sayers. Um, I'm all for using the last spot on the on the touring squad to give it to someone um, in a development role, um, particularly if you're looking at the the last uh, sorry the next the next ten years. So that was interesting to come out in the media today. Um, I can well and truly understand uh, Chad Sayers' frustration and disappointment. Oh, absolutely, mate. He's been um, a wicket-taking machine for a long time. But I guess it's, it's them saying to themselves, you know, having Chad Sayers and Jackson Bird in the same touring squad, is is that really, you know, the way to go? I, if two bowlers go down, though, I reckon he'd be the first on the plane for sure. It's going to be a, oh, hell, of a hell of a series, though, CTB. I mean, the South African pace attack is ferocious at the moment. I'm not sure if he caught any of the highlights against India, but they've got a couple of young new players who are just mm. bowling thunderbolts, let alone um, our good friends in Kagiso Rabada and uh, Dale Stain. Don't you think, this is a bit of a sidebar, but don't you think Dale Stain's had a very similar career trajectory to uh, DK Lilly? You know, came in as this real mm. tearaway devastating quick and in his older age has become a bit more of a line and length guy um, who can swing it around a bit and keep batsmen under pressure it's been a really interesting progression from Dale he is terrifying um, <laughs> yep in all sorts of different ways he's just found a new way to give people nightmares um, <laughs> the whole, whole South African pace setup actually is just freaky you know guys like um, you know as you say Dale Stane Mornay Morkel Vernon Philander um, all mm. quality, all quality. So there wasn't so long ago that they destroyed us on our very own home patch. Um, mm. So it's going to be a hell of a thing. I mean, I believe in the capacity of our team to be able to do the job over there. Um, I think it's going to be a lot tougher challenge than playing the English test side here in our conditions. Yeah. Um, and I think blokes like Bancroft and Kawaja and, you know, Soss and Mitch are all going to really have to stand up, let alone Smithy and Warner. I hope they don't come off the back of this ODI series. I hope they find some form in the back of this ODI series and can really put the mm. pressure um, on the South Africans when they're over there. Well, we're going to find something out about our batting order, that's for sure. Hopefully that it's good news. Sure. Hopefully it is. Speaking of good news, here's a bloke who's got a bit this week. Uh, let's hear from our British correspondent, Tom K. Hawkey. Hello, Tom K. Hawkey here with your bulletin from a Brit. As you can hear from my voice, I am over the moon. Uh, this is how British people sound when they're happy. It was about time that England won a game, and then another, and then another. I can't offer any great insights into the three glorious ODI victories, as you keep insisting on playing most of the match whilst I am asleep, and the other part whilst I am at work. However, here are my meagre thoughts on what has happened so far. I think it's great that international teams are starting to really diversify their Test, ODI and T20 squads. Once upon a time, your Test side got thrashed. Then a week later, roughly the same 11 came out wearing slightly different kits and proceeded to get thrashed again, only in a quicker manner. Now that we have more specialism in our squads, 
we can quickly forget the horrors of test series like the Ashes Just Gone and get back to everyone's favourite pastime, smashing Aussie bowlers out of the park. These two teams seem pretty evenly matched. Where England are outshining the Aussies is in their general mental approach. They're able to ease up through the gears gently, setting a platform and then going big at just the right moment. Except Jason Roy. He just closes his eyes, swings the bat and gets four, six or out. On Jason Roy, his English record of 180 and an ODI was a sight to behold. He rode his luck in places, but generally just middled it all over the park. It was quite fun to see him get out for two in the second game, and immediately half his average for the series. Finally, hats firmly come off for Joe Root. He had a torrid time in the Test Series, and could have easily succumbed to the pressure around him. However, freed from the responsibility of captaincy, he's come out and glued the innings together, allowing his teammates to play flowing cricket around his solid scores in the middle order. Top stuff. It might also be an argument for relieving him of the test captaincy too. His scores are starting to suffer in that form of the game and maybe, just maybe, someone else needs to come into the captaincy role and let Joe play his cricket. So there you have it. That was very little insight from an incredibly elated man. Is 5-0 on the cards? I'm saying yes. And as we all know, 5-0 is a far better scoreline than 4-0. Right, guys? Right? Yeah, I don't think so, TK. Thanks again to Tom for a wonderful British bulletin, uh, even though it does break me a little bit listening to it, the smugness and the joy that comes across in you know the sight of an English victory. But I guess we deserve it, Chris, after five weeks of glorious Australiana destruction in the Test Series. Yeah, look, uh, I guess it's the other end of the ice cream, Pat. Uh, <laughs> It's the pointy end of the ice cream, Chris. We always knew we had to get down there, and sadly, it is not full of chocolate. Um, Mate, thank you so much for being with me. Any final thoughts before we uh, sign off for this episode? Yeah, look, absolutely. If you get the chance to go down to the WBBL, go. Just go. It's good fun. It's great. Get behind the women's game. I had an absolute blast at uh, Lilac Hill, and... Everyone should get involved. There you have it, folks. It doesn't get much better promo than that. If you get a chance, please find us on Facebook at 2 for None. Uh, you can hashtag us on Instagram as well. We're around there. And if you get a moment, head to the iTunes store, throw us some stars. That really helps us find more listeners, people find us, and get our little funny little pod out there. Thank you so much for listening, folks. And we will see you again after the next lot of ODIs. Go those Aussies. Aussies.